This is Authors Alcove, where writers learn from writers. Readers get the inside scoop, and everyone learns something. An episode comes out every Wednesday, where writers share their latest work. Every other Tuesday, where us writers get taught by such experts as editors, book cover artists, and marketing execs, and beyond. So grab a cup of coffee, and let's dive into our next book. Hi, welcome to Authors Alcove. This is Agnes Wolf, your host. Today I have author, coach, and Dr. Saloni Sura. She is she wrote the book Flora Investigates: The Case of the Missing Gold Eggs. So she's a children's book author. That's a chapter book, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it's an early reader for five to eight, but it, you know I think it's fine for up to nine, ten year olds because it's chapter. Yeah. So um, before we get started, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself? Well, so I am a doctor and I've worked as a doctor for over 20 years. So I'm a HIV sexual health consultant. So I'm not a professor, but I'm, uh, I don't know whether it's attending in the US. And I started writing in 2000 and oh, I think it was 2010. Yes. When I was doing my PhD on HIV and drug use. And it was just a contrast to the medical writing that I was doing. Obviously, doing the job that I did, I met people from all walks of life. So I, you know, have a PhD in people who inject drugs, refugees, people who abused, assaulted, and um, you know, I was very clear of the mind-body connection. You know, I saw it in action every single day. And by the time I met a lot of these people, there wasn't a huge amount that could be done. So, you know, I think it was a bit of an escape. To, to then go when I was doing this PhD to start writing about dragons and fairies and all this fun stuff. But also, you know, with somebody with my background, I'm not scared of difficult conversations. But it was also to inspire children because, you know, Flora's really about a girl who has a dream to be a famous detective and to solve a case. And she does that and faces her fears on the way. So for me, it was really about inspiring others and, you know, dealing with tricky subjects so that the next book I have coming up it is about bullying and imbalances and power and forgiveness. So what was your inspiration behind Flora Investigates? Okay so this is a fun one it's based on my husband and his family so my husband is Italian from Florence and when we met his mother so my now mother-in-law kept chickens they've since well in the last six months have all been um, decimated I think by the foxes anyway not too long after we met one of them meant went missing um, and he used to joke that they were called Gina, Pina and Tina and we used to talk about these chickens a lot so one went missing and he joked to his brother that there was a murder in the back garden and for a minute his brother believed him so when he took me back to Florence the first time and I met the friends and the family and the pets there is a parrot there are cats the story just started to brew. Um, so I have slightly parodied my in-laws a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the plot of this book? Of course. So Flora is a 10-year-old detective living in Florence. She's got an annoying little brother, like I did. And she started solving cases when he came along. So he's about five years younger than her. And she's bookish and quiet, but she likes to solve puzzles and she loves reading. And she set up her own agency because, you know, not a lot of people want to employ young girls to solve cases. And she's out handing out flyers and she sees some incredible stuff. And she stumbles or finds this case of a woman who's lost a chicken 
But then she finds out that it's a magical chicken. So it lays golden eggs. And she meets a whole host of characters on her quest to find out what's happened to Gina and some of her eggs. So there is a dastardly hunter who has a scary stuffed animal museum. There is a um, pirate who likes to dance and has a flying boat and eats a lot of cheese. And there's a lot of cats. So there's a neighbour, an older woman who loves cats and has a lot of them. Fun. So you decide to tackle some hefty themes. What are the themes in this particular book? This book is about reaching for your dreams and facing your fears to do that. So she, you know, she's a go-getter. She finds that case. She says, look, this isn't what these are my rates. She has to face fears. You know, there's a flying boat. She climbs up onto that boat. And you know, she's a 10-year-old girl. There's an older man who's in the 60s who's a hunter. There's a pirate who dances and flies. There's an older woman. So she's She's up there. She gets in there. She climbs on the boat. She battles cats and parrots who talk and and lots of mice to find out what's happened to Gina and some of her eggs. You know, she doesn't give up. She just keeps on going. And for me, that was really, um, you know, obviously it's a lot of fun and I've come up with these crazy characters, but it's, you know, inspiring children to reach for your dreams. You can do anything and, you know, keep on going. Even if people are telling you no, If that's really what you want to do and in your heart, then then keep on going. As long as you, I think, keep on going and do it with a full heart, then at least you look back with no regrets and, you know, I did it and I gave it a go. And your next one has even a heftier theme than fear. It's bullying. What is the title of that? And you said it's probably coming out in February? Yes. So it's The Last Fairy Guardian. I'm planning for February just with some logistics and yes that's a heftier book so that's the eight to twelve year olds that's the middle grade and it is about a forbidden friendship between a human and a flower fairy at a time when the fairy forest is at risk so wings are at stake and it's really about bullying so you know there is a fairy in there who has lost her wings fairies have been taught about humans and you know as a human they don't exist. So overcoming that and make, forging a friendship despite all those challenges and, you know, wondering, can they save their home uh, with all the risks that they have? And yes, coming out the other side of overcoming a bully who really wants to control the forest and everyone who's in it, who's, who's stopped fairies mixing with humans. Are you there these going to be a series? They are. I've already started the sequel to Flora a couple of years ago, so I have the story. And The Fairies, yes, because it was actually two books in one, so I had to take out a whole heap of characters and a a plot line from there. So that will be in the second fairy book, yes. Do you know what themes you're thinking about for those particular books? Of course. So with The Fairies, it will be basically them losing their home and being refugees, you know, or or fairies somewhere losing their home and being refugees and all of that that comes along with that. And the fear and the terror and the things that are being done to the kind of natural kingdom and, you know, magical beings. So I love magical beings, you know, being out in nature. So that's that one. With Flora, it's clear. So um, that's one I need to sit down and plot out a little bit more. So I have a rough outline of it. But it's probably going to deal slightly with, you know, processing emotions. But uh, yeah, it's not fully clear. So how do you as a children's author deal with hefty things like bullying and fear? How do you feel that you take those big concepts and help children understand them? I've pretty much heard everything in my job that you could tell me, you know, I've been into prisons. I've looked after um 
people who sell sex. I've looked after people from all over. So there's not a lot that shocks me. I've had people tell me about, I'll leave it there, but yeah, there's not a lot that shocks me. Let's put it that way. I've heard about kneecapping and all of this stuff. So having tricky conversations and talking about tricky stuff is something that I'm fairly used to. Um, I also have a very funky imagination, as you can see with the books that I've written. You know, I like to marry the two together and see how that plays out. So I think it's the combination. You know, I'm not scared of going there and having conversations, but it's also magical and, and light, but also, you know, heavy too. There is a lot of grief and sadness in that fairy book. But, you know, that's also a part of life. And, you know, at the end, there's also, you know, that reclaiming of the power and forgiveness, which is such a powerful an important tool that you know we often don't deal with and certainly as with children trying to convey that i mean i think there's no better medium than books and, and with magic and all of that stuff how is the language different when you're writing for a children's book than if you were to write for an older age so i do have some older older stuff so i have some medical stuff that i need to pick up i you know, I've been writing for 13 years. So I've done courses and writing classes and, you know, conferences. So they're all sitting there. I just write from the heart, to be honest with you. I mean, I have a YA one about mermaids washing up dead, half transformed. Now that is a lot darker, obviously, because people are are washing up dead. So probably, um, I suppose the language, the, the, the fairies is a dual point of view so I've got another one I've got a book on stalking that's also due but it's obviously you know the themes are still heavy in the fairies but um, I suppose the language and the feelings and all of that is is much darker and uh, the medical stuff is kind of funny and dark so I don't know there was a a program on tv here I don't watch a lot of tv by uh, Adam Kay who's an obstetrician called this is gonna hurt and I read that and laughed a lot and thought gosh, you know, I've got so many stories like this that I could put in. Um, obviously, you'd need to amend things. But I had written something a couple of years ago at a night shift. But what I what I did with that was amalgamate quite a few stories from, from you know, different eras of my medical writing. That wasn't quite as funny. It dealt more with the working nights and the impact on the body and then just that, you know, the five o'clock in the morning when your own adrenals haven't kicked in and you're sitting there going, oh, I want to be sick. And I've still got three hours to go. And, you know, coming to work and going home from work is just in the same day is just strange. So how do you create relatable characters for children that can really connect with? Really good question. So in both of these books, so my fairies have been along for a lot longer. That's about 10 years. Flora is much shorter. I think it's probably empathy. So I think doing the job that I did for so long, I'm a certain kind of characteristic or personality type. And, you know, in that area of medicine, people come from all over, people speak different languages. You have to be really cognizant of the fact that for a lot of people, their medical issues aren't their main priority. And if you lecture them or tell them off, they're just not going to come back. So that always surprises me, especially as I access healthcare more myself and I've got children of healthcare professionals communicate is you know to all of us but especially to me sometimes with the background that I have um so I think I'm someone who's always had quite a lot of emotional intelligence and has been quite cognizant of what you know of connecting with people's feelings and emotions which can be a good thing and a bad thing certainly in the area of medicine you know in the sexual health point of view there's a lot of 
relational dynamics and stuff that's inferred without even speaking like you you can have somebody walk in the room and I'll be like right this person's been sexually abused or sexually assaulted and you can just tell that with people coming in so I think it's it can be a wonderful thing but it can also be quite challenging because it could be draining at the end of the day so I think that helps me a lot with writing because my my books are certainly the fairies are full of a lot of emotions and you've got that dual point of view and I you know I think that comes across well well feedback I've been getting again lately with that one as I've just wrapped it up you mentioned you had children how old are they so I have a 18 month old and a three almost four year old yeah so just under two and just under four my next question was going to be did have you read them this story but probably not (laughs) too small I I need to clear some of my older work because I have one for my older I've got a boy the eldest and you know there's a farting elf out there who's who's got a farting competition to join against monsters and ogres so everyone loves when I talk about that one I've you know I have been coming up with names for signature farts and smells and things you can eat to make the farts as stinky as possible. So I'm really looking forward to writing some stuff for them. It, I'm really looking forward to writing that for him and seeing what comes up for, for my um, girl as well. Of you know, It's wonderful, isn't it, to, to write books and create characters for them. I did have a little bluebell fairy come through earlier this year, so we spent a lot of time this summer well spring with the bluebells and um a little male naughty fairy come through so he probably wants a story as well so yes <laughs> are there any specific books or authors that have really inspired your work i mean i think i i love harry potter and i was older when that came out but you know it's so magical and for me i think it is about escaping that mundaneness of everyday life because you know for a lot of the last while it's been it's quite tough and some of the stuff that i deal with or dealt with when i was working full time was intense and and you know dark and you know challenging and so it was nice to go and escape so for me i love daydreaming um, but, you know, Harry Potter is also a book about death. It's about a boy who loses both his parents and grows up really alone. And that, you know, that's the, the crux of it. Um, so I love the magical books. I haven't read so much lately, but, you know, Cogheart, I can't remember the author, Peter Bunsell, that's a really nice one that I liked. I haven't read any fairy ones lately that I've loved. I mean, I haven't read so much lately because I've been busy writing these two. Um, Monster Donuts was another fun one that I read le- recently. But yeah, those are top of my head right now like the kids side anyway i love artemis fowl and when you were talking about the creature that farts that kind of reminds me of mulch duggar i think i can't i cannot remember his name but i know the first name is mulch and artemis fowl that is like one of my favorite books that i I have read and that kind of reminded me the connection there i mean i did um i did live in ireland for years so um yeah i've met him briefly at a conference that i was helping out on years ago but yeah yeah i I read the i think read what the first of his books i mean yeah they're wonderful absolutely yeah (laughs) okay since we both are fantasy geeks what is your favorite mythical character Okay, what is coming to mind is uh, Harry Potter's up, I think probably because we've been talking about it, but Hagrid, you know, I think he's just a a great character with a big heart. You know, he's this big giant, but, you know, he's just got such a big heart and, you know, really kind and nurturing as well. That one's a really hard one for me with the Hagrid because I'm writing a novel and one of my characters is too much like Hagrid. And I'm like, I can't oh. write Hagrid in there because everyone would be like, she's just copying Harry Potter. <laughs> but like, it's so hard because it's such a lovable character and I wanted my character to be lovable too. But yeah, I love Hagrid. So 
Anyway, I really appreciate you being on. Can you say that the titles of your books and when you think the second one is coming out? Of course. So I, what I have out at the moment is Flora investigates the case of the missing gold eggs. And she's an early reader. So she's five to eight. But, you know, I think she's more of the older age range, so probably seven to ten. And then February of next year, The Last Fairy Guardian will be coming out. So that is my middle grade. So eight to 12 year olds. And that's that's my fairies. Yeah. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Also, do you self-publish or did you do traditional? I self-published. So I've been around for a long time and I've, like I say, done all the courses, conferences, had good feedback from agents. But where my life was at this point, I've had a tricky couple of years with the kids. For me, I wanted to move on. Um, I think I did send this on and I had actually the last two agents I spoke to really good feedback. Um, but last time I was just told that celebrities were being, you know, basically to the effect of celebrities. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get some control back and and get out there. I did debate about my fairies and I might still send it out again. But for me, it's I think it's about moving on. You know, I've had a, a, I've had two kids in close succession. I've had a bit of a tricky work situation and I just wanted to regain some power and, you know, not wait two years <laughs> once once you get accepted by a publishing house, essentially. What was your experience with the process of self-publishing? was uh, generally favorable so I um look I've done a PhD there is no way I could edit my books and I'm being frank with you after the PhD I just I know I can't be objective on stuff so I went through a company called talk and they package it up so I got illustrations and again I I, I do paint but not not in that way so and the editing and um, packaged it up and uploaded it so it was a, it was a good learning experience it was good to have that support I will be doing my fairies with them too um for me a lot of the reasons for wanting an agent was that development you know I'm very auditory I like to talk over things and getting the feedback you know I do still go to a writing group here it's um I go less frequently so I, you know you always hook up with with one wherever I am um, but, you know, with a big, bigger book, it, you know, it's it's people are busy. So trying to expect people to read a whole book, sometimes, like you know, you think you just have to pay for it. So, I, you know, I need the editing and copy. So uh, generally good. Um, I learned a lot. I'm much wiser this time. You know, I haven't gone the other route. I know even when you traditionally publish, you know, there's a lot of marketing and social media anyway that, that needs to be done. So I'm certainly open to going down the traditional route in the future. Just where my life was right now, it was the right thing for me to do. I ask every person this question. What advice would you give to a not yet published author? Keep going. But I, you know, so I do read alouds on my social media as well. Um, so I read other people's books because I, I love reading. And for me, you know, I've looked after a lot of adults who are illiterate. Um, and when you're doing a lot of quality of life questionnaires, um, you know, I got very quick at doing that. But, it, you know, it made me also very sad that there's a lot of children out there I would have looked after too who, who are in environments where they don't have access to books or or that kind of thing so I do read alouds on social media it's mostly been self-published so I think the editing so I think I think it's important to get somebody else to have a look at it and consider paying for an editor if if you're going down that route because you know also when it's your work and you've gone over it so many times and you've written it so many times and you know the plot and then you've taken something out and you've forgotten it can be tricky to drop you know it for me it's been a process so like I say I started in 2010 I've done tons of courses conferences paid for a lot of editorial reports on quite a few of my books over the years and I think that's just really 
important. It's kind of, for me, the same as the PhD. Like, you know, I needed somebody to come in and go, right, this or, or that. And also, I'm a scientist, you know, science background. So my, my language isn't always great. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate all that you shared with us. I think that I'm going to be buying that Flora Investigates for my daughter and reading it to her tonight Uh pretty soon. I think she'll love it. She loves mythical creatures just like me. She's just like her mom. So anyway, Uh, thank you again. You're so kind. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. And thank you to all the listeners (laughs) for listening, especially if you listened all the way to the end. This is Authors Alcove, where writers learn from writers. Readers get the inside scoop and everyone learns something. An episode comes out every Wednesday where writers share their latest work. Every other Tuesday, where us writers get taught by such experts as editors, book cover artists, and marketing execs and beyond. So grab a cup of coffee and let's dive into our next book. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Authors Alcove. We will be back next week on Wednesday where we will have a writer share yet another piece of work. Also, every other Tuesday, we do learn from experts such as editors, marketing execs, book cover artists, illustrators, and more. If you are interested in being a guest on our show, feel free to go to authorsalcove.com, go to the podcast tab, and then click on Be a Guest. If you're looking for a healed heart, hop on over to our sister podcast, Strength, Love, and Healing with Authors Alcove. You can find that on Spotify and the Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day.